Good morning, Eugene. Hey, good morning. You seem a little more woken up. More, more woke every day. <laughs> um, so, so tell me, um, tell me about using technology. I know we have a topic for today, but I want to kind of hear how you frame it for us. So, over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to get uh, a pair of headphones. And, you know, like I do sort of office work and I, I have these old, like, I think it was like $25, $35, the old Apple auxiliary cable headphones. They're like the hard plastic and they have the aux port so you can plug it in to like an audio jack. And I know your phone doesn't have an auxiliary port, but like mine still does and my computer does. And I really like the Apple headphones. They're very comfortable. I can wear them all day. But I'm seeing the trend towards new headphones. I would like some noise canceling. I'd like wireless headphones for working out because I have a new rowing machine. And You have a what? I have a rowing machine. Um, you can look it up. Rowing. Yeah, it, it, it's like a thing where you hold a handle and it's like an all-body workout where like first you push with your legs and then you pull this little thing with your arms. It's a picture of rowing, but also with your feet. Um, okay. I mean, that's like a home gym sort of thing. I need to do something. So I, I figured I want music for that. It's pretty annoying moving back and forth on this like long metal thing with like a wire coming out. So I was like, all right, let me get some headphones. And the, the first thing I went for was let's see what's like cheap. So I have a bunch of like cheap little earbuds, you know, like 10, $15. They're not great. I got a pair of, uh, my philosophy on all of this is first buy the cheaper thing, figure out what you want better, and then get the better thing if you need it. Like figure out what you need out of it. So I decided that I wanted noise canceling. I wanted them to be like water resistant or like sweat resistant. And like, I want the sound quality to be good or whatever, but like, I don't, I don't care. All I listen to is like meetings at work and like podcasts. So I'm not, I'm not listening to high end music. So I had these like fairly easy constraints, I thought. And I was like, all right, let's spend some money. Let's go for like, so I got, I got, I tried the new Bose and the Sony and Sennheiser over ear headphones. These are like 350, very expensive, nice premium headphones. Not like the ultra, like $900 level, but I didn't think that I'd be spending money and then like returning these over and over again. But what happened was I think I realized that my ears are sensitive to things over them. Some people are sensitive with things in their ears. I realized that I'm sensitive around my ears. And this presented very early, and I should have put these two things together. I can't wear masks that go behind the ear, like the elastic. So I got masks that sort of tie behind your head. No touching of the ear. And I mean, it's not like a medical condition, but if it's for three hours, I can't like sit for three hours with over ear headphones. And some people I know are backwards where something in your ear, no good. It, ha it has to be over. So I tried these three very expensive headphones after like 20 minutes. I just didn't, I didn't like it. Like, and they had varying degrees of noise canceling and vo voice quality. Okay. I returned all these headphones. I got little wireless earbuds. I returned all of those. I have like $600 of like Amazon credit because I was buying them before I was returning them. <laughs> so now I'm sort of stuck buying stuff on Amazon forever. 
And I realized that this is sort of a topic where for most people, you know, headphones are headphones and you don't really think about them too much. But once you start going from a casual user, which I think 99% of people are, you know, you take a quick call 15 minutes later, an hour later, you take them off. Yeah, whatever, not important. But when when you start thinking about this thing and it becomes important to you, you become like this quote-unquote pro user. And you start hitting a lot of problems that are not really problems, but you want them to be better. And you start like throwing money at the situation or getting really into niche areas of like products because you want something specialized for yourself. And once you like throw away the money aspect you, and you just want a thing that does what you want, it it gets very frustrating to be like this pro user and this happens not just with headphones but you know with software i'm sure like in accounting i can use turbotax and i'm fairly frustrated with that entire situation and that's fine but if you do something for your work i'm sure that you have problems and annoyances with your software of choice because you use it and the more you use something, the more you think about the product, the more sort of complaints you'll have. And these days, there's an idea called continuous delivery, where you get updates to your product quite a bit. Your apps, you can think about, get updated all the time. So you, like, the quality could be unpredictable. And to casual users, they might think that they're doing something wrong. They might be annoyed that this is you know flaky or cheap. But mostly, no one really thinks too hard about it. But if this is for your work, or you really care about this this thing, it becomes frustrating because you're at the you're at the edge of what the thing can do, and like that's sort of what I've been thinking about quite a bit. And I don't like I don't have an answer, and I think that I think that I'll just have to accept that for certain things that I am again a weird term. <laughs> A, a, a pro user, a, a user that goes into the settings and you know messes with whatever it is the product is. Those people are very small in number. We're also the most vocal on like Twitter or you know whatever forums the the product might have. And the companies are in a weird situation because ninety nine percent of people are like, yeah, these are the best headphones I've ever used, and of very small small minority are like these headphones are trash i can never use them and if you put these two people together they'll never like see the other part because they just have different uses for the product so i think that's an interesting sort of idea maybe yeah i i think that i mean certainly when it comes to professional software accounting software um it's the same thing. And I think it applies, like you said, to different, to all of the technology pretty much. And what I've realized in the past, I don't know, few years is that there is no perfect technology for something. There's always going to be a feature or two or three that doesn't work or you don't like or whatever. Um, and that's, kind of inevitable. And I'll give you an example of that in, in what I do. So, you know, there are all accountants have different opinions about software, accounting software for small businesses. And I'm a big fan of Intuit because they've developed a very robust 
um, technology, a very robust software, QuickBooks Online, and it has a powerful banking engine. It has all these different things, but by no means is it perfect, um, and and that's okay. Many people are trying to find software um, and t- a piece of technology that's like perfect that does everything, but unfortunately, it's just not the reality of our life. Um, so what I found was that it's better to find a way to work with technology that's that kind of fits most of your requirements or whatever satisfies most of your requirements as opposed to um, trying to find something that's perfect and never settling really on anything. Um, you know, for like yesterday, I had a mastermind group um, with an, with other two with two other accountants um, in different parts of the country and. We were talking specifically about technology and, um, you know, for accountants, the, the question is not the question, but kind of the, the pain point is, um, finding the right CRM system that also, that doesn't only handle kind of the client facing portal, for example, right? So it's now all about portals because we don't send stuff over email and all of that stuff has to be securely transferred. I mean, Granted, I hate portals, you know, as a customer, but, you know, for financial information, there is no other way. You have to have a secure transfer of data, your tax returns and source documents and stuff. So we were talking about the CRMs um, and I currently use a certain CRM and it basically is handles tasks. So I do like, it's basically like a tickler where I create tasks, I create subtasks, um, and then I apply templates to different clients. So when a new client comes out, comes on, I, let's say I have to do their, their weekly book update, their monthly reconciliations, their, uh, quarterly sales tax returns and their annual filings. I set all of those up and then they show up every, you know, I sent, I set them on repeat and then they show up every, you know, whatever month or week or whatever. And, and, and that's, you know, it works great. Then another um, part of the software is client portal. So I drop stuff for clients. They can get it themselves. They have access to it. Um, and they can get it securely. And then finally, the file management system. So all of my work papers, I'm completely virtual now. I used to have a bunch of files and stuff. And it was fun. But, <laughs> but the virtual aspect... Um, this, you know, it, you have to have virtual stuff because like it, we're already past that time when you print a bunch of work papers and statements to get the work done. You get two or three monitors and then you get the work done using that, using, using those. That's kind of the, the, the new trend. Oh, even though a number of accountants are still using paper. So, so basically this system now handles tasks. It handles, handles, um, CRM. Um, also handles file file storage and management and so on. <clears throat> it also handles like time so that when my uh, freelancers, you know, work on the clients, they record their time and then I go in once a week and I pay them based on that time. But it's by no means is the software perfect. Um, and the reason that I switched to this one a few years ago was because before that I had one system for file management, one system for something else, and it was annoying. I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle that. And <clears throat> it was annoying to have to 
have three different tabs open all the time for yourself. But what I've realized as we were talking yesterday with my colleagues, what I've realized that in you, they were describing other software products and stuff. What I've realized was that there is no perfect software for that because every accountant is, every person is different for, for different people, different things are important and are kind of um, spotlighted or whatever. Um, and, and we have to find a way to work with an almost perfect software and make it work for us. Um, you know, I QuickBooks online, and I know I kind of switched topics a little bit, but like QuickBooks online, for example, it's not a perfect software. It has its own quirks that I happen to know a lot about because I've worked with it for 15 years. But, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I don't know if you know, but I won an award. Um, I made it, a, I made it to top 15, um, at an accounting firm contest uh, that Intuit had, it's, it was called firm of the future. Um, and top 15 globally. So three firms from Canada, US, Australia, UK, and I think India were selected um, and made it to the top 15. And my firm was one of the three US firms that made it. Um, and the reason for that was because I adapted QuickBooks Online product to basically satisfy a need for a cash flow forecast without having a different piece of software. So basically I used the existing product, made a few tweaks and, you know, voila, I had a, a cash forecast capability without really changing the software. I just adapted to my needs. And I think that when you kind of realize that there's no perfect software, you stop chasing the perfect software or the perfect technology or the perfect headphones. Um, I think that you find good enough. I mean, I know it's not ideal, but good enough, I think, sometimes is pretty good. Yes, obviously, that's like, and I think that a lot of people will come to that same realization. And then the other, I think, little bit that I think you touched on a little bit where you can have multiple different things. So in my headphone example, super easy. I can I can have plug-in headphones for when I'm doing like podcast recording and like office stuff and I can have another pair of headphones that are wireless for exercise. So you can you can get specialized tools if it's worth having like two things that do very similar things but slightly different and they have like different advantages from each other. Yeah. So like I think it's perfectly normal to have two pairs of headphones or two different softwares and like maybe you need one CRM which manages your contact information and all their files and all that stuff and another program for like the actual tax stuff. And I know that yeah. that's not exactly yeah. how it works, but, uh, and like, again, again, from, from the side of, I don't really use a lot of software products, but I do build a lot of software products <laughs> And those trade-offs are very, not intentional, but we sort of do our best to meet the customer needs and we rely on feedback and then we have priorities set not by the customers, but by like our bosses. So not to defend, you know, tech companies too much, but like, sure, it might be the engineer that made this decision to, you know, implement a feature a certain way and 
it doesn't quite work for you. And trust me, they would love to make clients happy. But a lot of times the incentives aren't aligned. Yeah. So, you know, it's complicated. But you know, it's interesting that you brought this up because um, many years ago, you know, up until maybe, let's say about 10 years ago, right? The QuickBooks Online product was much, much worse than it is today. Like it was just, it was super slow. It was super weird and accountants hated it. And I was among those people. I loved the desktop. The desktop, I like figured it out and stuff, right? So I was talking to support because something wasn't working once, um, Intuit support. And, you know, and they, <laughs> about a QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online product, and they were like, well, you know, our developers that are, you know, that you know, I was like, how can you like have such a great product uh, for desktop? And your online product is so awful. <laughs> and and she and she said, you know, wait, it, there are, those are two different teams that work on each of those products, and they don't talk to each other. I'm like, why not? Why not talk to each other? You've already had success, huge success, with QuickBooks desktop product. Why not talk to and learn from the you know the features that that work really well. And you know, over the t- over over the, over time, they've certainly changed changed their uh, <laughs> their software, and it's now extremely robust for the price. It's a great combination of value and price. It's a like great um, exchange or whatever value exchange uh, for a small business. But I think that's kind of the like what you've just said. It's it's not it's not always the same values or whatever, or whatever you've called it, um, when it comes to programmers who actually create the product versus users. Right. And like what you're talking about at, uh, at Intuit, that's, that's like an organizational thing. Like a lot of times developers, they, they're just doing their job. And a lot of times, like, they're more worried about code quality and like their own sort of craft. And like obviously we really like seeing customers happy and that is like a huge part of why I like being in software where like people can use your stuff and it's very satisfying to be like, Hey, this workflow that you guys help build now saves me hours and hours every single day. And that's very gratifying, but those incentives and what we work on next and what gets prioritized is set by like the, the, the management, the leadership of the company and things don't have to make sense and leadership a lot of times aren't technical people they're they're business people and we programmers are sometimes a little too hard on them but we definitely need the business folks to set priorities and you know figure out how to sell the product cuz you know engineers aren't selling anything we're just we're just doing what we're told and also trying to be cute about it using new technology or whatever so like I'm I'm very grateful that we have a whole sales team, a whole like product development team that thinks about this stuff and I just need to like be told what to do. Unfortunately, a lot of times there's gaps in these things and that's where I think a lot of the weird quirks that you see sort of come into play where I've made decisions on products just by myself. It was just like me and the one developer that I was working with and it was like 9:30 at night and we were like, "Well, we're the only people in the office." we're just going to do this. And we, we, we just made a decision and 
we we try to like think about it from the customer's perspective we try to like do the right thing when we're making these like business decisions because you know we we do want our thing to be good we're not like sloppy or careless if you're like you do want the software to be good but like i don't i don't know maybe maybe they needed to like workshop this and ask around and like maybe two guys in the middle of the night deploying something like that might not be the right decision, but that decision was given to us by default in that like several interactions that I've had like that. And I don't, I don't know if customers like that decision and like we can ask, but uh, like a lot of times random decisions like placement of buttons or like what something's called goes through just huge meetings and meetings and meetings and discussions and like compromises and other times it's just like two dudes at night sitting and they're like, I don't know, let's just do it this way. And it's like, it, it, and it's like so deep in the code that no one will ever find it. And again, no one uses any features. Like most people just use the, the bare minimum to get by. But then at some point, one person that's like this pro user would be like, well, this is a ridiculous decision. How could they think this would work? And it's like, well, we didn't. We just, it was an impulse decision. We were pretty stressed. We had a long day. We definitely got drinks after. Like, possibly we didn't make the correct choice, but we, like, <laughs> I don't know. Talk, talk, talk to our supervisor. We'll get it done. We don't, we're not doing this like with malice. It, and I don't want to call it incompetence, but we just made the best choice in the moment. So it applies to like any um, any mm-hmm. profession, I think, uh, because even think about it. Even doctors and accountants are similar in that way. And you know, it took me like a couple of years ago. I realized that you know, like we accountants, because there's so much gray areas subject to interpre- interpretation in the tax law, um, that it's it's only black and white on certain things. Everything else is gray and how you interpret it and how risky it is and how viable the possible defense is, you know, before the IRS of your position that you just took is a lot of guesswork. Um, and it's an educated guess and it's an experienced guess, but, um, doctors operate in the same way. And I'll give you an example. I think, um, Basically, when we, when I as an accountant, when I look at, you know, a person's records, talk to them, find out more about them, da, 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 um, <clears throat> typically I'm like, okay, so this, you know, the symptoms are these, and it could be this, this, or that. And then I make the best educated guess based on my knowledge and experience. And I basically, you know, take a position or do, you know, do their books in a certain books, something in a certain way or whatever. Right. So it's very similar with doctors. Um, think about it. Um, if you know, they, you come with a problem and you describe a problem, you describe symptoms and any number of symptoms can represent a huge number of different disease choices or sickness choices. Right. So you basically, some doctors ask more questions after you've described, basically ruling out one or the other based on the symptoms, and then they diagnose you, right? But still, that diagnosis usually is a guess. Hopefully, it's an educated and experienced guess based on, um, you know, the doctor looking at your skin color or, you know, whatever. 
Um, but it's still a guess. <laughs> and by skin color, I'm going to save you right now. By skin color, you mean some sort of rash and not the yeah, race. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, so when the doctor looks at you, they, you know, they've just listened to a bunch of things that you've described. They maybe asked a few um, questions. Oh, did you, you know, have frequent urination or whatever? <laughs> and then they basically make a, an, esti- a, a, an educated guess. But it's, it's not very comforting to know that when you're being treated for medical issues or medical issue or concern, that it's someone is guessing as to what it is. <laughs> right. And, and, th- and this is an interesting topic about like what professions are. And growing up, I remember we had this joke how like, oh, you can't trust doctors or lawyer. They call what they do practice. And I think that's a fairly common sort of anecdote. But that is the truth. Like we are all people and some people have spent years and years of their lives learning about topics, whether it be, you know, like computer science or accounting or medicine or law. And they have varying degrees of like risk. Like if, if I put a button in the wrong place, very low risk, someone might get frustrated. I, I don't actually think that it's life-threatening. But if a doctor makes a decision and their decisions, you know, Im- impact someone's quality of life, like you do need to trust expertise, but do accept that these are also people kind of like doing their best and they also have off days and headaches and oh, like they are just people and what they do is practice and expecting them to be, you know, quote unquote perfect just isn't reality. Like we're all sort of in this spinning world together and some people chose to dedicate their lives to like medicine, but that doesn't mean that they have all the answers and like we're all trying our best and you just gotta you gotta you gotta make it work but but isn't it scary like when you're a programmer not like it's not a big deal right like you know you made a mistake you made this decision you know you had a rough day whatever it doesn't affect anything but it's interesting that uh when you're you know an attorney or an accountant or then even worse a doctor who makes these decisions every day, multiples of them. Mm-hmm. That's the scary part because you affect people's lives in various fa- ways. And wh- one of them is a physical way. You actually affect someone's life physically. And to That's defend, the scary part. And to defend software, like software is everywhere. There's software in your car. There's software in like pacemakers for your heart. Like programming mistakes can be very serious. And if I make a mistake, I work on very small scale internal applications so we can just fix it we have like four users there's no and like yeah if we make a mistake like we could lose millions of dollars or whatever but like if i was working at a company that was like writing code for pacemakers that's that's very different or like airplanes with boeing that was a that was a a programming error with the, the with the autopilot and stuff so like they're and people are doing their best and they will make mistakes and uh, yeah that, that that is part of you know working on high visibility high impact products where it, it's a little scary and trust me when you judge doctors for like being wrong or whatever they judge themselves 
way more. Like I, I judge myself way more than anyone could ever judge me. And like, if I write some like sloppy piece of code, let me assure you that I know that it was sloppy before I wrote it. I don't, I don't need some like person on the internet telling me that it was bad and it didn't work the way they liked it. Like, I, trust me, I know. <laughs> and well, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, not all professionals judge themselves on the quality of their work. There are, there's plenty of people who don't You're give. Right, of course. Yeah. But, but um, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I judge myself on the quality of my work because I actually care about what I, what I create and what I do and the effect it has on people's lives. Mm-hmm. But not everyone feels like, like I or like me or you. Or not everyone does that. Yeah. I don't know how we switched from, from professional um, he- from headphones to like uh, malpractice. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's similar. And like professionals that work at the edge of these things, like, there will be frustrations, but like, do know that on the other side of like, like I'm a, I'm a consumer of like pretty few things. Cause I try to like balance consumption with, I'm going to say creation, which is weird, but <laughs> so like, I, I do try like most of my time, I just have like a word document. There's no features in that word document. So like it's pretty low level stuff. And then I create stuff that have a lot of features, but on the other hand, when I'm using headphones, which has tons and tons of people behind them, I also think about like the Bose engineer that made this choice that I don't like now. And I'm like, well, like it's not for me. It's not, it's probably not the person's fault. And I have a lot of sympathy, which doesn't help me at all. I still think that like this product isn't for me and I need to like go return these now. But like, that's not to blame people trying their best. I guess. Uh, ultimately, our world comes down to everyone trying their best. Well, most people trying their best, let's put it this way. Yeah. Like we're all, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's really acceptable. I don't know if that's how it should be. We have no choice. There's, there's not a lot of stuff you can do about it. And I think that understanding is one of the only things you can strive for. I guess. I guess. Okay, Eugene. Great conversation. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you.